Welcome to Costly Conversations. I'm super excited because we have Raina from G4 Tactical Academy with us today. What's going on, Raina? I am so good and I'm so happy to be here. This is super exciting. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so glad we could get you on because you are so interesting. Between you and your husband, fantastic people just doing like everything. You guys have your hands in like <laughs> so many pots. Not, not to, not to yeah. mention you do a lot of gardening. So many, many pots. Yeah. So, yeah, my hands are always dirty. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Well, let's got like gun oil or yeah, or anything on them. Yeah, I I love it. Now let's let's talk a little bit about it, man. Like it, for those who are listening, she's sitting in front of this crazy backdrop with all sorts of competition guns and really sweet Gucci'd out just ARs and pistols. What do you what do you even have behind you? What's going on? You don't have to take us through everything. Well, uh, I'm here today to tell you that we are going to launch a, U a YouTube channel for G4 Tactical, and this is the preview of our studio. Uh, so over here, we have our competition guns. Uh, we are Tanfolio fans. Uh, so these guys are here. They're on their way to go out to Patriot Defense and get milled and cut for carry optics. Uh, and then we have some 22s, some plinkers. And then this is just a fun gun. It's a Tokarev. Uh, it shoots seven six two. Oh my god! Super fun. Yeah. You're shooting uh, seven six two out of a, a handgun. Out of a handgun, yeah. Incredible. Super awesome. Wow. Uh, above my head, uh, you can barely see it as a shockwave. This is a seven six two by thirty nine pistol. Uh, this is a AR shotgun, an AR twelve shotgun. Mm -hmm. uh, we have banana mags for this for competition shooting and three gun. And this is a Daniel Defense. Nice. And my competition shooting uh, rifle is that up there. I love it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. You guys are doing it big, and hopefully people can check you guys out and go subscribe to the YouTube. Hopefully by the time this drops, it'll be up and rolling, and you can get a yeah, flood, I hope of, so. flood of That's people coming to check you out. What kind of content are you guys going to be dropping? Uh, we want to do gun reviews, but we want to do it from the practical shooting uh, perspective. So not just, hey, I went to an indoor range and shot 50 rounds, but... I ran it through a competition and I put it through the ringer and see how this gun performs. And as well as um, gear suggestions and things like that. And we want to really stay away from the foolishness. Like we want it to be lighthearted and fun, but we've seen enough people that are out here just busting. Like that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to give informed, safe information and save some people some money. Cause when we came in at this, we were like, we got bags of holsters that don't work. We bought guns that don't have any practical application. And we just want to keep people from doing those things. and be able to get out there defend themselves to whatever capacity that they feel is necessary. If they want to have fun or if they want to just protect their home and family. Awesome. No, I, I, I'm completely with that. I, I think we do need to set the standard on like what is good quality, wholesome gun content. And some, some of the other stuff is fun and all, but it, how much, mm -hmm. how much value is it really adding to the community or is it just fun? I, I do think that just from a practical standpoint, we do need a, a diverse uh, plethora of different shooters from different backgrounds who can talk about guns and demonstrate them in a way that is extremely constructive. I'm not saying that there's none who do that, but mm -hmm. I do think that more need to be elevated and bring their best every single time. Yeah, exactly. So that said, I, I know you, you, you do a lot, but let's talk about um, competition shooting. Okay. What are you doing with that? Okay, so... Competition shooting was something that a lot of shooters, like, you just keep putting off. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, 
I just want to get my groupings tighter or I just want to be able to move a little faster. But it's literally the thing that pushes you to your absolute limit. And you can learn how to move, shoot, think a lot fast, a lot faster and a lot better. So it seems like a little kooky at first because I saw them and people are wearing like they have like Gucci guns and crazy little holsters and things. You're like, that's not any practical application, but it's called practical shooting for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you get out there. um, The courses are different every time. Speed, movement, everything is calculated. And it just makes you an overall better shooter. And then when it comes down to women and people of color, um, you kind of get intimidated looking at who's out there doing it. But it's kind of interesting, though, because I've seen a lot in the Asian-American community that they grab a gun and they instantly go into that field. And what's interesting about that is they learn accuracy, speed. The learning curve is much steeper, but they get there faster. Hmm. So instead of focusing on your indoor range, two-inch groupings at five yards, they're focusing on speed, accuracy, thought, planning, and everything else. And it has a lot of practical implications in everyday life. No, I, I say so. Um, and we had um, Trayvon Barber on the show a few episodes ago, like season one, actually. You know, thanks, Trey, for mm-hmm. coming on. And he talked about some of the best or most esteemed shooters in the world, like your Delta guys, you know, people mm-hmm. who are kind of up there in the military world who people think, oh, they're going to be great shooters. Like they go to competition shooting to get better or they they bring in high-end competition shooters to train them to be better which not not saying that competition shooters necessarily inherently know tactics and whatnot because that's not exactly the case but there is something to learn from somebody who spends all day every day and all their money learning how to you know line up that a zone and really like nail that thing and honestly that's a part of the reason why we've decided to do it Mm -hmm. um my husband and i we aren't law enforcement. We don't have military credentials. Um, Unfortunately, I'm in my 30s now. It might be a little late to go get that, but the practical shooting will give us the notoriety and the skills to impart that on other people and make us better teachers, better coaches, better civilians, and better representatives of our culture. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with having an additional skill under your belt, especially if you have a business like you guys do with G4 and you're trying to give people information. Why the heck would you not give them as much as possible for the money? Right. So (laughs) now I know that it, it seems as if doing competition shooting has afforded you some opportunities. Can yes. we, can we talk about those? Yeah, so um, being in the competition shooting sphere and meeting people and things like that, uh, my husband and I were both given the opportunity to shoot commercials for Smith & Wesson. I just got a call in like a Friday night about this time, like, hey, you want to do some cool shit? And I'm like, well, I mean, so it's funny because my husband was like, you're trying to sell me some Herbalife or something. (laughs) Like, no, like actual cool shit. And um from that we submitted some videos and we were able to do commercials so i was uh premiering the new smith and wesson csx and he was a uh, part of the rifle series for the new smith and wesson volunteer series so just making those connections and letting people know that we can move and shoot like we were able to provide representation uh in those areas and make some good connections and you know make a little bit of money too yeah no i think that is that's freaking sweet and the fact that <laughs> You know, it's like, hey, 
we're, we're all doing this thing together. Hey man, come on. I'm doing this thing. I know a guy who can get yeah. you in. Let's make it happen. If, if that's how it played out. And yeah, it, it's really it's cool. cool yeah. It's cool because like they had an objective of having people who actually know how to handle guns mm-hmm. um, to do the videos. So instead of, you know, just hiring actors and then spending the time to teach them like, this is how you operate a firearm. It was a lot of a different experience because that expectation was there. The knowledge was there. Uh, they took our insights onto like proper gun handling and things like that just to try to make the videos look a little bit cleaner um, because the production company is a production company. They don't mm-hmm. do guns. That's not what they do. Right. So, you know, having actual shooters there uh, is invaluable. And it was a really good experience. Um, I didn't love that I was blurred out during the video. No, I, I actually wanted to bring that up. I, I yeah. do feel like that, that, that you are a little too out of focus for my liking. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of annoying, but I, I I love that you were there. But maybe yeah. maybe during the next one they could put you front and center. That'd be nice. Yeah, no, it would very very much be nice. Um, the woman who was front and center, Irasima, uh, she is a woman of color, um, so that is to a benefit. But I think they did kind of go with the racial ambiguity angle a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I actually well, didn't realize that. I didn't I didn't realize that. Yes, she uh, and she is a USPSA shooter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it was a little disappointing because when I came back from the shoot, I got a lot of comments about like, Hey, I like your look, you know, your hair is really cool. Mm. And then like where the camera angle started being focused, I kind of did feel like my hair was kind of there. Like, let's make sure that that's a part of the picture. And I was feeling like that when I came home and I was like, Hey, you know, babe, like maybe I should get some more headshots done with straight hair because oh wow yeah like maybe next time i can be front and center if i have straight hair and i don't have because i kind of i honestly and honestly like i felt a little bit like a prop even in the situation like some guy would come over and be like hey scoot over just a little bit you know like move over just this like it was kind of really like that Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily the greatest feeling and so i was really like i need to do should i just get some headshots with some straight hair and he was like, absolutely not. Like, this is how you wear your hair. This is how you live your life. Like, That's right. do the damn thing. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe if I had straight hair and I sent the curly hair and the straight hair, they'd have options. And then, you know, some little black girls can see the black girl in the photo. Like, does it matter if my hair is straight or curly? I, I think he was right. I think you got to be <laughs> yourself and let let people appreciate yeah. you for you. Like, what? Not I'm not trying to like tell you how to think, but like, man, like, yeah. To all the little black girls out there, I know my audience isn't majority black girls. Like, rock your hair. If you like it like yeah. that, do it like that. You know, I, I let people have their options if they want to do whatever they want to do, but wear your hair. And I know that's such a difficult thing for black women for so long, and people don't get that. Like, if you ask anybody outside of the sphere of you know black women. Well, how do you how do you feel about your like it's going to be completely different responses just with the history and all these different things um and yeah. hopefully people can understand where we're coming from that it's a very sensitive topic and the fact that you thought those things is it, it's sad for me because I, I want every black woman to feel good about you know their their crown per se so yeah i mean that's what it is like it's a crown like yeah and you need to wear it and you need to have your shoulders high and feel good about it like but unfortunately, it's super, super difficult because, you know, transitioning from the straight hair, like I did notice that my perceptions were changed. Mm-hmm. And every now and then um, I had to get out the feeling like you go to a formal event, straighten your hair. 
that was something I had to get over because mm. that's kind of how you perceive it. Like, hey, you're going to a wedding, get your hair straightened. And then you go to the wedding and then everyone says, oh, you're so pretty. Mm. Why don't you do that more often? <laughs> and then, you know, it also starts freezing up because the wedding is outside. And then it's like, oh, wow, you're getting so big. You look like Diana Ross, who obviously is the hair queen of, you know, the entire existence of hair. But at the same time, you know, it's not coming from the place you want it to come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this it's such a such a tough conversation because sometimes you just want people to like shut up and don't ask about it, don't inquire, just appreciate, don't touch it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, oh yeah, don't touch it. Right, don't, like, don't touch the please stop. Don't touch the please crown. Please stop. So, like, I see the hands and I'm like, you're not gonna touch it, and then they touch it. Right, like, please don't touch it. No, like, I, need, I need to like I need to take some craft gods to like keep people trying to touch right, it. Right, right. There, there's some moves. <laughs> there's some moves just for that. Like for yeah, those who want to grab some hair. Moves. Yeah. yeah, but honestly, like that's that's tough, and I I don't want to maybe like make anybody feel like oh man, just because you've thought about people's hair that you're some bad person because that's not the case. But definitely yeah. a, a certain level of sensitivity I think is important in life. I, I think mm -hmm. many people per se in the gun community have a hard time being sensitive because it's like all rah rah dude, man stuff, huzzah. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day. Um, you do want to consider how people feel. Yeah. And then like within the gun community, um, it kind of extends even beyond hair. Mm. Um, so I kind of got into a conversation about having a la carte courses that are like 30 minutes to an hour instead of having a full day Saturday course. Mm -hmm. Well, what the gun community needs to realize is that women are in this sport mm -hmm. and I have tons of clients who are breastfeeding. They can't spend three hours with me in the middle of, you know, the mud pit at ECTS. Mm -hmm. Like they need to breastfeed. They need to get back to their babies. I can't tell you how many women have told me like my husband is at home with our kids for the first time, all of them by himself. Like I'm worried. So me teaching them a 30 minute to an hour class is what they need. And I want them to be safe. So you know, like you can't just do eight hours on a gun range, even if you want to. Yeah. If you have childcare and you have the time, like you need to be able to have a clean, safe environment to breastfeed and then refrigerate, you know, right. that's, and that's, that's not something. Yeah. And that's not something that is a luxury at many outdoor ranges or even indoor ranges. Absolutely so not. I think that we kind of have to think about that. And a lot of uh, instructors, I don't know if they necessarily have that insight. That well, you got to get back to your kids. <laughs> I don't think that many instructors are thinking about it just because it's not been something that we have to think about. And I'm not calling myself yeah. an instructor, but dudes yeah. in the gun space, we don't have to think about that. Most of our wives yeah. don't really shoot like that anyways. Let's be honest. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that... But then you want her to. No, yeah, absolutely. Like, you got to stay home with the kids all day. And it's like, don't get mad at me as an instructor because I have classes for those women that, you know, a little bit shorter. I'm not entirely sure who would be angry at you for learning how to provide quick insights and be able yeah. to charge for it, which is important for you as a businesswoman, but also to provide a high level of value for that time. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not really sure how long people's courses are generally, but I, I do know some of them can go on for a while. Um, yeah. and to be honest, depending on what, I mean, your, what your concealed carry certification course is four hours. That's a long time. And that's just in classroom yeah. for the most part. 
Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to see what people actually want. Um, and at the end of the day, let's get people what they can, you know, benefit from. And I, I don't know that 30 yeah. minutes is long enough to really get out there, set up, shoot and all that stuff. But I mean, I'm sure it's negotiable at a certain point. Well, it's a, uh, the a la carte classes are like, uh, for instance, like I have a rapid fire class. Um, it's at an indoor range. You can do it outside if you have the time, but, uh, learning how to shoot faster, um, a holster draw class, a pistol selection. Like these are shorter classes. So it's just for the everyday person uh, and woman who's out here trying to get a firearm and become proficient with it. Instead of, hey guys, let's go outside to ETPS. So drive an hour out there and you know, let's run and gun. And oh yeah, you need to have these shoes and this technical belt and this and that and all these things. And it's just like, Let's go learn how to use a firearm safely and efficiently and just get comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. No, like, Those absolutely. are different classes. And I think there's different demographics and different people at different times who need those things. Absolutely. I'm 100% I'm on board with that. Now, you know, we, we, we talked about Smith & Wesson and we talked about how, you know, slightly disappointed we were that you weren't um, featured as prominently as, as they, they could have slash should have but also mm -hmm. as much as you personally would have wanted. Um, I did notice that Isaac, your husband, he, he was front and center for a lot. Yeah, you know, I wish he, I wish he had a bigger gun, but, <laughs> but, but yeah. I really felt like they did a, a decent job of showing him, you know, moving and shooting and yeah, doing different stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like they, there's maybe a different kind of bias or understanding towards that? Or was it just incidental because of the type of shoot it was? Um... So do you want to get costly, as you say? This is what we uh, do. Let's keep it costly. <laughs> Let's keep it costly. Okay. Um, so part of what I'm thinking, and honestly, like I haven't spoken to them about this and I don't know, hmm. is that when the first video for the CSX came out, there was a lot of commentary about it being a chick gun. Hmm. So not only did we do the video shoot, we did also a ton of photos and things like that. I think that they ended up pulling back a little bit on that because I don't know how it ended up playing out um, just from a business perspective, right? As because in, they, in they the, didn't really feel like they were moving the gun the way they should have. Correct. I, I, I think it's a bad gun, if, personally. <laughs> I'm not paid by Smith uh, & Wesson, so I can say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about the feasibility of that gun, but me personally, I prefer a full-size gun. Sure. That's, this is my gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's a I, gun. That's a real gun. This is what I eat. Yeah. This is what I need to see every day. So and that's the M and P. Is that long slide on the M and P two Uh, this is an M and P five inch uh, mm -hmm. with a hollow sun optic that I had milled and an apex trigger. There you go for the audio listeners, of course. Yeah, that's a good gun. Describe it just a little bit. Um, so I do like the M and P's. Um. It wasn't perfect out the box. That's why I added the Apex trigger and had the slight mill. But I now think they the come, triggers are trash uh, on the M&Ps. Yeah. Like hot garbage. Yeah. So. When you buy it, like, factor in that Apex trigger in mm -hmm. your buy. Like, yeah. gun plus trigger, that's the cost of the gun. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel like when they did that, they kind of pulled back a little bit. Because I also noticed that um, the woman in the video that my husband did, they kind of cut her out a little bit, too. Hmm. Um, I don't feel like she was featured as much as the guys. Not a, not to my recollection. I mean, she had a few yeah, shots, like but kinda, she didn't get the shine necessarily. Yeah, like they did like a pan up and it's like up to her shoulders. Like, hey, it's a chick and she has hair. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of how they did it. So I don't know if they're kind of like 
trying to, you know, parent to that male customer a little bit more. And maybe they're afraid because they're like, hey, if they think it's a chick gun, maybe the guy won't buy it and he won't buy it for his wife. Hmm. Um, but it's kind of like we got to get past this point where there's no such thing as a chick gun. There is a gun that fits an individual. And so that's what we need to go by. I, I do. I do 100 uh, percent agree with that. And but I also do know like in show business slash sales slash the firearms industry there are some yeah. what they call practical considerations and at the end of the day it's like okay so who is our audience our audience is these people who statistically who buys our guns these people they're only going to buy it if they see these things um especially okay so the gun didn't get reviewed super well uh, the like my my friend uh he's a competition shooter he torched the thing he's yeah. like the mag doesn't even seat <laughs> properly it's a bad gun why they put this thing was rushed they leaked the gun and then they yeah. dropped it in his trash i'm like golly yeah. so don't buy that gun unless you find that it's great go try the gun go shoot it and decide <laughs> if you want to yeah um but don't expect uh your boy to get any smith and wesson money just saying <laughs> i'm just yeah. saying but uh, yeah but just I, not just to finish my thought, I really do feel like as much as we have these practical considerations, okay, we're selling guns to a mostly like 90% of our sales are to men except for the MMPEZ, but that comes in a few colors. I don't like that gun either. <laughs> I haven't liked it since it was like, out in 380 and then they switched it to nine and then I was like, well, maybe, but other than that, yeah. not into it. But I, I guess it makes some sense that they would feel that way, but if you are going to say if the mission is to bring more women shooters in stick to the mission yeah it can it can change a little bit but like accomplish yeah. your mission appeal yeah. to women shooters and especially because who's buying more guns now women and of that group black women like that's who's buying guns right now and so having representation makes your brand look great because a lot of women get into the 2A community they don't see women who look like them Mm -hmm. That's not who they see. And so when you go into the store and everyone behind the counter doesn't look like you, mm -hmm. the people on the website didn't look like you. Like it's, I mean, honestly, from a business perspective, that's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, abso like, absolutely. And if you, if you really want to tap a certain market, you show up, show up. Mm -hmm. Like really they should be just in my, I'm not saying this to flatter you, but I really do feel like they should be reaching out and be like, Hey, Rena, so Thank you for doing the commercial. We want you to do uh, a whole series of commercials here. We want you to represent for We're going to target these markets down in LA or this and this and that. Uh, can you do some of this? Now, maybe maybe you're not the one specifically that they want. It'll be another black woman. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah. I really do feel like if you want to accomplish the mission to appeal to this new base of gun buyers and people who are getting into it, get behind the people who are here. And you're here. You're doing it. Yeah. That's just how I feel. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, you know, I feel like a Smith & Wesson is a really good price point and quality level for a first-time gun buyer. Um, so I stand by the brand, and I have sold a lot of them to my clients. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like, I guess I would just say, like, I was like, I, I made you guys a lot of money, you know, mm -hmm. even before the commercial situation and everything else. And when you look back at it, it's kind of like when you make the assessment of the brands, like I have to consider reliability, size and fit and everything for my client. 
Um, but at the same time, representation is also very, very important. Sure. Uh, especially if you go to the gun store and there's a picture of someone looking like you purchasing a gun, it makes it seem more okay and less, you know, less icky. I mean, like icky is like never the word I want to use, sure. but you know, when you see a big buff guy with like a tactical belt and like some plate armor, it kind of makes you feel like this isn't where you want to go. Cause it's, it's like, place. Hey, yeah. I go to the gym and I pick my kids up from daycare after work. Like I'm not, I'm not expecting the war to happen today. Mm -hmm. like, yeah no i think i think that is interesting and i know people get kind of tired of like the identity conversations and whatnot i mean I, I get that too but at the end of the day we really do need to consider like okay how can we make people feel even more comfortable coming into the space talking about the second amendment talking about guns talking about self-defense um defending their family and helping and it's not just me and you who are talking about these things there are other really yeah. big names in like two-way media who have talked about this like yeah. how do we appeal to pregnant women to f carry a firearm how do you do it yeah. how about you try first of i all? mean is it even you know do we even let them know that it's safe or not to fire a weapon and be exposed to lead while you are pregnant because mm. i've seen some pregnant women at industry events shooting guns yeah so yeah is that is that a conversation that's even being had yeah and I've seen some like uh, some blogs that have talked about it, but there are things like that because I mean, honestly, like you want to protect your baby as much as possible. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you need to protect the life and safety of you and your baby and your entire family at the end of the day. So it's not like it's not a conversation that we should have. And it makes people nervous. They're like anything, like especially like think about like a first time mom, like everything is new all over again. Mm -hmm. Like you thought you're living your life and you're doing a great job. And then you're just like, oh, there's a person living inside me. Like there's more stuff to think about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, can I go to the gun range today? Is that safe? Is the noise going to like, I'm supposed to be playing Beethoven. This is totally not Beethoven right now. <laughs> it's not like, Beethoven. It's <laughs> not Beethoven. No, I. I so like, I mean, those are all the factors that come in. And that's like why you need more women in the industry to talk about it and talk about your experiences and everything like that. Absolutely. And so really just to, to wrap up, I think it's a dope that you had an opportunity to do it, but obviously if there should be another opportunity, it could be done better, much better. And I think the yeah. whole marketing system should be overhauled. To be fair to Smith & Wesson and other brands, even though it's been a while, basically it's been a long time coming for them to really you know, put certain people front and center, not necessarily out of just some identity politics thing, but like just to show that this is this is thing people need to be able to see it um i've seen guys specifically like uh our guy ken scott from perfectus group he's the brand mm -hmm. one of the brand ambassadors for smith yeah. and wesson but i'm i'm not sure that he appeals to just everyone in the black community he's you know big yeah. guy former cop cool guy i love him to death yeah. he's awesome but yeah is he is he appealing to the market of women you know, I don't know about women specifically, but I was disappointed to see in the black community at large, um, he wasn't. Um, in a black gun owner's Facebook group, someone asked, hey, who's your favorite black YouTuber or Instagrammer or whatever? Mm -hmm. And not mentioned in any of the comments. Now, mm -hmm. it's obviously a subset of a subset. It's like a not a good thing. But I'm like, wow, he's like out here doing the Smith and Wesson thing all the time. He's, a big he's deal. got a channel. He's like, he's a big deal. And you guys aren't watching his content. Like, why is that? Why? I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's a hard conversation because sometimes I, I get a little discouraged if I don't see the the numbers that lead to the impact that I'm looking for. On this side, it's yeah. like, oh man, I really feel like I'm making content that should be um, really accessible to yeah. black gun owners, but I'm not sure that they specifically love it to the point where it's spreading like wildfire. And you know, I understand yeah. everything's a process, but I I do have some concerns we could talk about that yeah. offline so <laughs> yeah hey, you know uh, but it's just like the last thing about the the commercial uh i don't know what else is coming out so there's more footage that wasn't featured in the particular videos that are already released so maybe more is to come and you guys will get to see me hopefully <laughs> i think that'll be cool yeah, yeah man yeah. I'm, I'm super I, i'm very glad to see that you 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 know, got 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 a check. You showed up. You did your thing. Yeah, that's dope. But obviously, <laughs> we want to see more. We we want to see yeah. more. It's, yeah. But let's talk about why people should want to see more. Like they're probably like, okay, Raina, she seems cool. She does some competition. She shoots. But who the heck is Raina? Like, who is she? Why should we care? Raina, where are you from? What are you doing? Why should we care? All right. So I am from Detroit, Michigan. I am a product of Detroit public schools. And then I went to University of Michigan for undergrad. Then I went to Georgetown Law School in DC. Then I moved to Texas. And <laughs> so you're you're a you're a lawyer like Coleon Noir? Yeah. I am an attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Texas. I do a lot of small business law contracts and things like that. Um, growing up, I always expected that I would just be super corporate America. I never anticipated that I would be an entrepreneur or a hustler that's just like this is interesting. Let's do it and let's do it well. And let's do this other thing. Well, and like all these things, like I was totally expecting to do the nine to five thing and get that check every Friday and, you know, hang out with my family on weekends. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's cool that you've kind of evolved into something different because it's not every day we get to see it. <laughs> it's not every day that yeah. we get to see it done well. Cause a lot of businesses, they start and they, they end um before yeah. before you even know who they are and a lot of people they're kind of doing the same thing you know a lot of us are, are you know doing hair and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing that's great but yeah. we can expand into other things like hey let's let's do a fitness brand let's do um let, let's talk about all all the brands that you and your husband have um all yeah. 25 billion of them <laughs> okay so we started off in 2016 as crossfit aesthetics um, and then there was some issues within the CrossFit community itself um, regarding race and inclusivity. Uh, so we got rid of the CrossFit name and we became Aesthetic Athletics. Uh, so at this point, we have been operating in a over 7,000 square foot facility in West Dallas. Pandemic hit, uh, our lease was up, it was time to pivot. So we downsized into a personal training studio and then expanded within the gun space to G4 Tactical as well. So just about staying on your toes and remaining dynamic and doing everything you can. As like society changes and you have to grow and evolve with it. And unfortunately, I didn't cause the pandemic that I didn't see it coming. I didn't know that was a thing, but it was like, hey, now it's time to pivot and we got to make the pivot. Personal training and tactical training is where we're at now. And it's just a matter of just growing and continue to excel in every space as best as possible. Yeah. Well, I think that's good. I, I, 
I found it interesting that you said there was issues with CrossFit. I'd never really considered that there there could be yeah. race issues in CrossFit. It's CrossFit like it's like going to the gym. Yeah, having a club. Um, like what, it was the how? yeah, it was the founder and CEO Greg Glassman. Uh, he made some controversial statements regarding George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter uh, movement as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of organizations back down and uh, CrossFit gyms back down, um, and then they sold it to someone else and tried to do a rebranding like hey it's better but at the end of the day it wasn't paying the affiliate fee wasn't helping my people like when we were uh operating as a group fitness facility we like to say that we were the most colorful gym in dallas Hmm. because we served a different population a different community and you know that was unseen and unheard of especially in crossfit like when you look at videos across the people you don't see people who look like me. You might see one or two, you know, little sprinkles in the cookies, but like, yeah, we were a full M&M rainbow sprinkle cookie That's when awesome. we were operating in that capacity. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do, I mean, if, you, if they've seen you guys, you guys definitely work out. And yeah. it's really interesting to see like, hey, like you guys were bringing people into CrossFit that normally traditionally just aren't really there. Just if, yeah. if people kind of know the demographics of it, and I don't, so I'm taking your word for it. That said, yeah. it does it does kind of hurt my heart a little bit that you guys did feel like you had to take a step back and stop really kind of being a part of that in that way. But you're still out there, still helping people, still, um, yeah, you know, making yeah, functional available. fitness is still a thing, yeah. and you know, they own the word CrossFit, but they don't own functional fitness. They don't own growing and jumping and jump roping or any of those things. So. Yeah, that you know, I didn't think everyone. CrossFit was a was an actual company. I thought it was just a, a, like a type of workout, like a workout system, rather. That's no, interesting. You got to say functional fitness if you talk about a type of workout. Mm, wow, that's that's interesting. CrossFit is CrossFit. <laughs> CrossFit is like, like a you know, it's so karate, right? Karate yeah. is is I guess the functional fitness in in a sense. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. like is or this martial but, art. Yeah. Martial arts is all sorts of stuff, but if you go to like Nisei yeah. Goji Ryo Karate, that's under this specific brand run by these guys. Got it. Yeah, they don't have to pay anybody a check every year to say CrossFit. Hmm. Yeah, but wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. I've never heard these before, so I'm like kind of like wow. Yeah. I've, I'm, yeah. You got to write somebody a check every year to say CrossFit. Wow. If you want your logo to have CrossFit on it. If you want your website to have CrossFit on it, you write that check. And you yeah. felt like the money that you were investing wasn't going into an organization that was matching the values that you two had as a, as a couple slash company that was bringing in yeah. a lot of people. And our population that we served. Yeah. 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 Like, so what happened to yeah. you? What happened to that population? Did, did you guys abandon them or like what happened? Uh, some of us moved into us with the um, with the personal training space. Uh, others did pursue like their functional fitness at other facilities. And you know, considering like the pandemic happened, everything was in flux. Like sure. people had different financial situations. People had to move, you know, because they lost their jobs or they might be close to their family. Everything is in flux. So we stay in touch with uh, a lot of our clients from there. Like one of the things that was uh, we were very proud of in that space was that we knew every single members name so it's kind of weird when people would come in because there is also a thing where people like to rob gyms really um yeah and like we just take barbells or own... like what 
No. Um, so, like, members, like, you know, you stick your gym bag in the corner and stuff, and people will go in and steal phones or grab bags or anything like that. Like, um, it was particularly prolific in California. We never had that experience there, but we did have some shady people kind of walk in every now and then. And it's like, hey, I don't know you. They're like, oh, I'm just chilling. And they're like, I'm like, I'm the owner. I teach all the classes. I know every member's name. What are you doing here? So they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go. <laughs> wow. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was our gym. Like we were, we knew everyone's name. I kind of sat, we knew a lot of dog names. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you were in there. dogs than kids, honestly. <laughs> you know what? Some people are like that though. But I, I do want to know, because I know it's more than just the, the fitness brand, and I know you guys converted from CrossFit to more functional fitness and whatnot and still killing it in that yeah. place. But I, I do know that at the end of the day, you guys do way more than that, as in you do some yeah. some meal prepping and food and whatnot, nutrition. Um, yeah. Talk about that. Okay, so um, I love gardening and plants and everything like that, so... I have an outdoor space um, and I do meal preps for people um, in the summertime. Like most of the produce comes straight from my garden. Uh, I'm starting seed starting for the next year. Um, and also like all of that comes into this like survival mentality. Like I don't know anyone on this planet who can say 2020 didn't change them. But not being able to buy food was something that I never expected to experience. And my grandmother is from Mississippi. So I know about food insecurity and they, they were good because they had a farm. So mm. this is where, you know, I say I get my green thumb from, but at the same time, like, I'm like, yeah, grandma, that's cool. I can go to a grocery store. Right. And then it's like, you're going to take the grocery store from me. Like, are you kidding me? Like I can't buy food. Like that's unacceptable. So it was yeah. like, I gotta do something about that. So I, um, started growing my own produce. Um, I would like to get some chickens, but you know, the city's not on my side for that. But you know, one day, maybe I'll get some land. Um, maybe. Shoot, <laughs> yeah. I, I know a girl yeah. who's off grid now and it's interesting to watch. I would love to do that. Um, but yeah, just like, you know, self-sustaining and then like also understanding that they said like, the police aren't gonna come for you and you might not have food. Like beyond even the COVID situation, like there was a hurricane and they said, if you can't get out of the city, maybe because you're too broke and have nowhere to go, mm. you are on your own. We will not have any city services for you. Like, that is not okay. So that's why it's like food, fitness, firearms. Like, I need to be able to, to move and protect myself. I need to be able to feed myself. And that's what we do. So then there's also G4 Tactical, which is a part of that as well. Um, and that's where we're trying to educate people on firearm safety, how to use a firearm. Um, and then it's all tying back to the fitness thing because you can be the best shot in the world, but if you can't run, jump, squat, like, or even sustain a high level of stress because of your cardiovascular health, that's unacceptable. So that's what we're trying to do. And everything kind of just moves around that mission. So that's why it's G4, who fitness firearms in the last one. Is, can I swear on your podcast like I've been doing? <laughs> uh, I mean, if it, what it, say what you gotta say. I mean, it's, it's okay. uh, the last one is fuckery or fun. So like, because we are like <laughs> we're coaches, and so we're always those people who are like, hey, did you like eat well today? Did you like you know did you work out? Did you like we're all about accountability. So then it's like, hey, we do have a little fun. Like I enjoy a cocktail. Like you know. Sure. We're people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys seem like a lot of fun. And yeah. I really, 
like man like what what got you out of the lawyer thing like you you went i'm a lawyer but i'm now i'm going like full entrepreneur like yes you still do some lawyer stuff but did you do you just hate waking up early and going to work like what's what's the deal no because i get up at four <laughs> uh no five. Oh wow geez uh, well if it's not four yeah, i don't know an extra hour, I get, yeah 5 a.m um no it was um so when I went to law school, it was, it's 2011. Uh, it was a really bad time in the legal industry. Um, but I was being me. I was extremely hair-headed. I was like, I'm going to go to the best law school, you know, my dream school, Georgetown Law, Georgetown University Law Center. And um, it was a bad time for lawyers. Everyone's like, don't do it. Legal jobs are hard to come by and everything's difficult. And that was the story we had. So I pursued it. I got my degree. I think that my degree gave me a level of confidence and always, and also confidence that I wouldn't be able to accomplish what I do today without it. Um, but when I came out of law school, I did not get the $160,000 a year job that, you know, I was sold on when I signed up for that mm. level of student debt. Um, but I still had the skills. I had the knowledge. I had the stamina. I had the will. So I moved to Texas. I took the bar exam here, um, joined the bar, did some interviews um, at some local firms that honestly didn't make it. Like I didn't get the job, but then a couple months later, I saw that those firms had been disbanded. So wow. it was just a time and influx within the legal industry. And it was just a matter of I can go get it myself or I can sit around and cry about it. Wow. No, and that's that's actually something that I would implore many people to consider. Not everybody's really built for the life of like, you know, if we don't actually make this money, we just gonna have to skip some meals type, you know, that kind of stress. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that people need to get it in their mind that if if it's not being given to you and nothing really is given to you, like, go get it. So go yeah. get everything. Go get everything yeah. that was promised to you. And then some. Yeah. Yeah. Do don't leave anything on the table. Why, why would you? <laughs> like, it's it's yours. Why would you? Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about, like, yeah, you got into meal prepping. You're doing all this stuff. Um, yeah. Why did you get into meal prepping, and what's that like? Um. So the main reason I did is just because um, my husband used to just get a tray of chicken breast and pour some salt-free Mrs. Dash on there oh, and geez. throw it in the oven. Poor baby. And then eat a bowl of spinach. What is you doing? And when I, <laughs> so when I moved in, I was like, that's, that's what you eat. Like, you don't gotta eat that. Um, so I'm, like I said, we're both from Detroit and my family is in Detroit, but my family is Southern. Like my mother, she loves her butter and my dad is right there with her and my grandma, she likes pork fat. So. Of course. She's from Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. I get it. My grandparents She's live there. She's from Charleston, Mississippi. So. Golly, Jackson. So my mom is like, butter is better than that, right? And I'm like, well, we can try some other stuff. So it just came down to researching and learning and things like that. Because it was like, you can eat this well and it can be delicious. Like eating food should not be suffering. And that is why a lot of people don't eat well. Because they're like, I cannot eat another piece of lettuce. And quite honestly, most salads aren't even good for you. But mm. like, so it was just a matter of um, 
taking what I learned from my mom and my uh, my grandmother's on both sides. Um, my dad's mom is, uh, well, was uh, very into Cajun food and things like that. Um, she's from Mobile, Alabama. Okay. And so just really like just looking at those old recipes, substituting things, like making things like, hey, this is a fresh thing. Why is it bad? Oh, we cooked it in pork fat. Well, let's try something else. And still just making it delicious, but also nutritious. So it was just experimenting like that. And I was making my own food like that because I'm like, hey, bud, like you're not about to be the fit one. And then I'm over here, you know, not, but I'm not eating what you're making. So then I started cooking it and he's like, well, can I have some? Like that smells really good. Mm. And then when he started eating it, then he was like making more of his fitness goals than he was before because he was actually eating the food and enjoying it. So just a matter of moderation. And I honestly, I, I love to cook. I love to grow food to cook it hmm. and make things and taste things and make them all delicious. But at the same time, like, you know, I, like I said, I got to be able to move, squat, jump, do things, make a good example for my clients. And so I figured out some recipes and now I share them with other people and do my meal prep business. That's awesome. I love it. And I think that's fantastic because we all, all of us, except for those who don't struggle with making food that works, buying stuff that is, it says organic, you know, it's like, yeah. why do, why do I still feel like crap? And at the end of the yeah. day, I think if, if maybe people could tap in with you or people like you, not necessarily, it has to be you, but you and people like yeah. you to give us the information that we need to be able to go out there and do it. Um, that, that could be helpful. So yeah. thank you for that. And I really hope that people take that to heart. Like, hey, like take control of your health. And yeah, you don't have to eat salad all day or boiled chicken or whatever. Boiled like, chicken. That just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, like that's not what it's about. Those things aren't sustainable. Like enjoy life. Like it takes me a little bit more work because I look at a recipe and I'm like, I have to find substitutions for five things on here. And certain flowers don't react the same way. And I have ruined things. But it's worth it because you can have a good time and enjoy food and enjoy life and enjoy time with your family. So you don't cook with um, flour? No, I do. Okay. It's just different kinds. Like I have like whole wheat flour for certain things okay. and then like I have almond milk, flour, almond flour for other things. Like just, you know, trial and error. And there's a lot of error involved. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, hopefully people can take a look at that and see kind of see what works. So yeah. let's talk a little a bit about politics. Dun, dun, okay. dun. So most people, they get a little freaked out when they hear it because either you say something that they love and they're just like, yeah, you're amazing. Or you say something that completely offends them. And they're just like, oh, I hate this person. and They don't like Trump or they like Trump. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just it gets annoying. It really does. But yeah. let's just talk about it. Let's keep it. Keep it behind you. Keep it costly and keep it moving. Yeah. Where are you on All the right. political spectrum? Okay. So the summary I like to use is actually from a Facebook meme, which I don't encourage anyone to ever use as a source of information, but this is kind of perfect. Yeah. I think that gay married couples should be able to defend their marijuana plants with guns. Okay. That's where I'm at. So, <laughs> so freedom, freedom, so freedom. I think it, yeah. Like, I think I'm like, I think I would be um, considered a uh, libertarian and I wanted to consider myself a democratic libertarian, but over time, I've come to realize that that may not be as possible as I want it. And I consider myself democratic libertarian because I believe in student loan debt relief. Uh, 
still 100% there. And, but the big one was healthcare. And considering everything that's gone on over the past couple of years, um, I don't feel like it's safe or wise to necessarily trust government with your healthcare. Mm. Um, I feel like healthcare is a right. Like you should be able to go into a hospital and receive care, um, especially for uh, families who may have a child with special needs or have complications during birth. Like that's not a bill that people can plan for or anticipate and it's not feasible to expect someone to pay that, right. obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, when it comes down to people making mandates about what your healthcare can look like, like um, I believe like, and employers do this as well. So for instance, like I think it was an airline, I'll be safe to say, an airline uh, was saying that if you weren't vaccinated, your healthcare premiums for the month were going to go up for the unvaccinated employees, really? which it, it kind of makes sense in the sense that that could cost everyone else more money because you made a choice about your body and you should have to pay for it. However you feel about vaccines, okay, sure. But on the other spectrum is if you're not okay with vaccines or if it was something else. Like what if they said, we're gonna require everyone to uh, take some sort of contraceptive because we don't want you to take paid time off to have kids or we don't wanna pay for your kids or have to deal with this. Or maybe they will uh, enforce you to have contraceptive or not. So I don't think that anyone should have control over your health or your body. So I am honestly struggling with my politics right now because I do feel like healthcare is a right, but at the same time, I don't think other people should be able to dictate what your healthcare is because you can be great with, hey, I love vaccine mandates. Everybody should get one. That's awful. But if it's something you don't agree with, hmm. then what are you going to do? No, absolutely. And considering, you know, when people pay for things, they feel like they have control over you and those things. Absolutely. I actually just had a, somebody told me a story of she, uh, they were working for somebody and uh, the company bought them some items. And when yeah. she left the company, they were just like, and we gonna need those back. Now, in my opinion, that was completely ratchet and out of control. Like she should, yeah. they, they should have just walked away and been like, nah, yeah. you, you got me these things as a gift. But people feel like like if they pay for certain things that in a way you owe you owe them and they own you yeah um yeah like if i'm if i'm taking care of all your meals and i think this is where maybe the feminist movement kind of got got kind of got started and maybe kind of went went got really all its steam is hey all these men taking care of all the bills without me you're nothing and then it's like well yeah. we don't want to be stuck in that position so we're just gonna go yeah. get our own bag and do our own thing and uh, yeah. you're not gonna hold this as leverage so you can act uh badly let's just put it like yeah. that yeah yeah and that's gonna encompass all the evil things that men can do so no, I completely get it. I completely get it. Not to upset all my listeners who are anti-feminist or who are feminist. <laughs> and I butcher, yeah. I butcher that whole thing. And they're going to be like, well, actually, well, leave me alone. Oh, no, of course. You can't get it right. No, and I that's can't. that's why like, I'm actually... <laughs> struggling with my politics. Yeah. I mean, it is a struggle. Like, you constantly evolve because it's like, this thing I like. And then... This other thing, though, is like, all right, well, yeah, I kind of like it, but it's like, well, what if the tables were turned? Absolutely. And they t and they told me I couldn't do that. Like, these, like, I just think that people should be able to, like, pursuit of happiness, right? Like, yeah. life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is kind of the 
thing that I think we should talk about a little bit more. And and then like then I say that and then someone has to bring in some sort of inappropriate sexual relationship between some people. And it's like right. that's not what I'm talking about. Right. It's about consenting adults that are making decisions about how they want to live their lives that do not negatively influence other people. And I think that that's where we have to go. And then that gets even more complicated. Like I said, I'm struggling with politics right now with things like vaccinations. Cause then it's like, well, you not doing it is impacting me and this and that. And it's just like, how did something that I choose to do with my body end up impacting society as as a whole like right. we're in a whole different space right now that you know five years ago i wouldn't have ever seen it no i i didn't see it coming but i guess we should <laughs> yeah. have now people people yeah. have talked about it um often like in europe they say that yeah you know if they want to pull i'm fact check me on this like if you're on some sort of end of life care that basically the state can pull the plug on you because they don't want to pay for it anymore and yeah uh, if that's if that's true, like that's kind of horrifying. It's like, man, yeah, uh, this person they have some sort of illness and they might pull through thirty percent chance. Maybe maybe you'd like those years if you could potentially get them, but yeah, it's not you and your family making yeah. that choice because you and your family aren't paying for it, buddy. We're paying for it. I get yeah. to choose. I mean, I'm tired of paying. Even in America, um, there's a whole like field of law considered a uh, healthcare ethics, mm. and so questions come down to. You know, a couple has a child and maybe they want the child to have, you know, a particular set of life saving care or maybe for their religious or personal beliefs. They don't. Hmm. And like blood transfusions so like, and whatnot. Yeah. And so they're like, no, I don't want this to happen. But sometimes they're like, I don't want my kid to suffer. And the doctors are like, oh, yeah, we can totally save them. And other times they're like, I still believe that if we keep trying or if I move them to this other hospital or try this other treatment, like it'll work out. Like doctors in courts, I've been making these decisions in the United States for a very long time. Um, yeah. And sometimes they do decide to do these life saving treatments and the child is left with um, difficulties that they have to suffer for the rest of their life that require constant care. Yeah. And um, not only finances for the treatments at that point, but throughout the child's life, and even after their parents are gone, this child will never be able to be um, functional on their own. Like, those are questions that we have to think about. And so doctors and courts are doing it now. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's serious. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. all so, very serious. Do we want the government to do it as well? I, you don't, I don't trust the government <laughs> as far as I can throw, like, each and every member. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, everyone has their own views. So just like, I, and those are the tough questions. It's not easy. Like, yeah, like, do you defer to the parents? Do you defer to the doctors? Right. Do you defer to the judge that's supposed to be, you know, a arbiter of everything good that is neutral in mm -hmm. this situation? And it's like, that person is still a person. Yeah, They have whatever law school they went to, whatever philosophies they study, whatever religious, you know, practices that they have. Like, that's still a person. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's really interesting to see some of the stuff that maybe you might come across your timeline, uh, one of the she came on the show, Ron and Mary, is all about bodily autonomy yeah. and being able to have a home birth and different things like that. And sometimes if if you look close enough, you'll see instances where you won't be taken care of the right way in these institutions. Um, um, if you try to leave too early, they'll come and do different things like 
I saw an instance where uh, a police officer snatched a baby away from a woman trying to leave the hospital too early for one reason or another. And it's like, I can't make these decisions now. What makes me think I'll make these decisions when we have universal health care, which I wish at times I've had universal health care. I've torn up my knee more than once. And that costs (laughs) tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, one of my last bills before insurance took care of most of it was $90,000 for the operation to to clean up my knee. Wild numbers. What? That's like a bad house. What is $90,000? Yeah. Take it back. (laughs) Golly. It's like... And then it's like things that you don't even have a choice. Yeah. You know, like if you're in an accident and you're taken to the hospital, they and just work on you. It's like, yeah. And it's like, Y'all so now my kids die. can't eat or my right. family. Like, exactly. It like, w- at least they would have got some life insurance money, right? right. Or hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult thing. And I'm still trying to figure out where the lines are because I do understand that neither political party has been particularly giving to the black community sure like it's one does a better job of pandering mm-hmm. you know shout out to us saying that we're going to get a supreme court nominee that's a black woman sounds good yeah. in theory sounds good right um and then another who says that we give black people jobs you know so there's this two-sided part of it and it's just like there's there's got to be a better option and there needs to be some way that we can hold these people's feet to the fire because you know just plastering a black face you know, going back to the thing about like being a prop is not sufficient. And we need to take our voting power and think about that and like not just throw it one way or the other because one party did something that made us angry today. So we're just going to go with the other one, even though we really don't. (laughs) I don't know how we're going to release this in regards to a chronological order, but I just had a conversation with Shermichael Singleton. He worked on campaigns for Mitt Romney, Ben Carson, um, he worked under Ben Carson while he was still in the White House. And mm-hmm. so he does a lot of TV right now, commentator stuff. And, you know, he, he admitted it too. Like, really, we have two parties that don't really do anything. They're just, they just yeah. sit, they don't even write their own bills. And at the end of the day, like, they're just kind of doing nothing for the people they claim they're doing stuff for. And it's just so frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. What, and what then do it's we like do? you throw, you know, I don't know, but I just think it's a matter of, like I said, holding people's feet to the fire. If someone comes to your district and says they're going to do something, you then knock on their door when they don't do it. Because people don't like being in an uncomfortable situation. Absolutely not. Because like they, they look great on TV, but they're still people. Like oh, they yeah. don't like to be uncomfortable. They don't like to be called out on their mess. And then honestly, like, we can't just watch networks and read articles that make us comfortable because especially in the 2A community, like I don't come across a hundred percent of people who look like me or think like me on any given day. No. And I need to be able to talk to them. So sometimes I got to read some other stuff to be like, Oh, okay. That's why you think that because I've seen you shoot. I've seen you with your family. I see that you are a competent individual. There's no way that the narrative that you're just an idiot is the end of it. Mm-hmm. No, so you have to learn. Yeah, that, that's that's the interesting thing because it's like, man, we really do kind of run to our sides of things, and we don't say like, mm-hmm. hey, like, why does this person think this way? Let me try to explain why I think this way. Find that in between. Yeah, we're not going to agree 
but let's try to find something. And I think the hard part is oftentimes when you give an inch, a mile is taken. And we've seen Mm -hmm. that so much. And it's so you have like these hardcore, really like conservative dudes who are like, you know, we came to the table and we did gun control stuff and y'all took everything took everything yeah there was assault rifle yeah. ban this and this and that and like why would we do that again so, so i think there's a conversation about good faith but also at the end of the day we have to try I'm not saying that we have to yeah. try to give away our gun rights necessarily but we have to try to to have conversations that are bigger than just firearms if we're gonna can i say that on tv yeah. like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man that, that's where i am uh yeah, no, that's a hundred percent right. And um, it's a matter of not just having like the conversations, but my husband brought me another shot. So there you go. Um, but it's a matter of like talking about all these things and how they influence more people than the people who look like you. Mm. And so it's about coming from finding some common ground and then having the conversation. Because like you said, like if you talk about gun control, and the Democratic Party line is, you know, not like verbatim, but obviously like something along the lines of down with guns, right? Sure. So have you ever shot a gun? Do you know what an AR-15 is? Because they like to say semi-automatic weapon and like that's a pistol. That's some shotgun. Someone in your family probably has one under a mattress where they should Like, but the narrative gets really icky and it's just kind of like, maybe we can take a step back and talk about it, you know, a Mm. little bit better and use better words and then understand like when they say semi-automatic weapon, like I shouldn't automatically think like, oh my God, it's a full auto killing machine because it's not. Someone took a tool and decided to do a, a bad thing with it. That can happen no matter what laws are passed. What can you do as an individual to protect yourself in the event that that happens. Like, yeah, obviously you're scared. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be in a situation in a grocery store where you feel like your life is on the line for no reason of your own and you're defenseless. That's why I have these. Sure. So, and even still, I don't want to be in a situation where I have to use one. That's exactly. That's not, not on my list of things to encounter. In fact, those are things that I like to avoid. Yeah. But that's why I use the grocery store example because you're not doing anything wrong. You're like, your wife told you to go grab some grapes. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we yeah. keep grapes in the house. Yeah. yeah. Like you're like, all right, honey, you want some grapes? I'd be happy to go grab you some. Like right. that's you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't put yourself in any undue hurt. Like mm-hmm. these are the kinds of things, but I think that the narrative has to change a little bit and we just kind of have to see things from everyone's for like an everyday person doesn't necessarily need like I said, like I have these, like everyone doesn't need that. Most people shouldn't have that. It it's excessive but at the same time you know you should learn how to use a firearm in order to protect yourself because going around being scared it's not the answer trying to take it from law-abiding citizens is not the answer because is the criminal going to give it to you no who's going to give it to you it's going to be yeah like you're going to be like hey guys i want to take everyone's guns if you have a gun please give it to me like the criminal is not going to be the person who's like, oh yeah, definitely. Here you go. Like it's not. They weren't supposed the to have it in the first place. They got warrants Ex- right now. Exactly. So at least let me have mine because, like, what's the, the saying is like, um, you need to defend yourself in seconds and please take minutes. 
Right. When a second counts, yeah. when seconds count, police yeah. are minutes away. When seconds count, yeah. Police are minutes away. Like, in some I, cases, I, they can be more than an hour away. I know a girl suffering from domestic violence, and she had a restraining yeah. order. They took over an hour to get to her. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, I had someone who was explaining that, like, she received a threat, mm-hmm. and she had a restraining order, and they're like, well, is he there? No, but he told me he was on his way. Well, call us back when he's there. Stop. <laughs> You're kidding. Like, yeah. This is I mean, joke. like, oh my. Yeah, God. I can't say it's a lot of him, but this was like, yeah. He like, said, these are the things that can happen. Gets there. I. Okay. Yeah. He said he's on his way. Like, okay. Well, is he there? Like, I can't do anything. He's not there. Like, the like, I was trying to with a piece of paper. Absolutely. Yeah. So, if I can't depend on the state or any particular individual, the state, my husband, who's also very proficient in firearms which is honestly unique within any population. Um, he's not with me 100% of the time. And then the question also comes down to, uh, it's like Jess always says, like, what if they get him first? He's bigger. They're probably going to take him down first. And I'm supposed to just be like, ooh, sorry, honey, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whereas, I mean, that's, that's the scenario. They shoot him, they grab yeah. you. Like, that's, that's the scenario. Yeah, so, like, not only, you know, and I think sometimes – Certain people, like men, need to get over the fact that they can't just be the sole protector of an, of the family because you are literally the target. I'm going to have to be the person that might have to handle that situation. Um, I'm his best teammate. I'm his best offensive person. Like, he's my person. I'm his person. Like, why not be a good team together and just defend ourselves and exert the rights that are, you know, not only bestowed on us by the Constitution, but just, you know, as a human. I'm going to say it right now for all my guys out here training with your range buddies. Tell them you can't you can't come to that that day. This is what you're doing. You're taking your yeah. wife to the range <laughs> and she's going to be your new range buddy. Sorry guys, I'm busy. I'm not at home. Yeah, I mean like I'm she's the there. You got to call your buddies like, "Hey guys, um someone's in the house. That CQB we were practice, it's on. Be on your like you might as well call the cops at that point." <laughs> I mean, you might as well in fact, if you call somebody else, they're going to charge you. They'd be like, "This man <laughs> He called and did all sorts of extra stuff. That wasn't self-defense anymore. He yeah. planned the whole thing. No, but seriously, like <laughs> this is take your wife to the range. I'm guilty of it too, guys. Like, don't think I'm I'm trying to pretend like I'm special. Guilty of it too. Take your wife to the range. Send train her with, with her. Me. Send her with me. We'll have fun. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure she'd love you. <laughs> you guys are both way yeah. too driven. <laughs> Oh, no. I can chill. I promise I can chill. Nah, it's cool. Uh, no, it's a good thing. Don't change. <laughs> Don't change for anybody. No, I, you know, it's, yeah. I can only be me is what I always say. Do it. Uh, but, like, one of the things that I thought was interesting was um, we were having a conversation uh, with uh, one of our Caucasian friends who has, like, you would never think, but has, like, really made a serious effort to understand the black experience. Um, and it was very interesting because he was talking about things and I'm like, you don't understand what it's like to feel that if an intruder was in my house and I call, I'm, I'm afraid to call my husband because if my husband is lurking around my house in the dark with a gun, because he just pulled up and I said, someone's in the house, I'm afraid the cops are going to shoot him. So I have a particular responsibility to put that threat down before I call him or the cops. Hmm. 
or, you know, because if they see the guy, like he's looking in windows, like, hey, what's going on? You know, there's a strange car or he's investigating. He looks like a suspect. That's that's even though his name is on the deed. <laughs> but they, they don't have the access to the deed right away. They have to do all sorts of extra right. stuff. And it's, it's yeah. clear that nobody does all the extra stuff because we've we've seen plenty of instances of somebody locked out of their own house trying to figure out how to get in, unlocking their door yeah. and the cops show up and it's like, Hey, do you live here? Like college professors going through that. Yeah. It's like exactly wearing my cardigan and my 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 big glasses. Oh yes, of course. I'm trying to get into my house. Yeah, I'm using the wrong accent. Yeah. Um, but it's <laughs> it's like what the heck? Like this happens yeah. all the time. And I'm not I'm not trying to go on, but it's like you know, district attorneys who are African American or prosecutors that are African American that are in the same sort of treatment. I've seen that. Yeah, I've like you that. get pulled over with your family, and it's like, all right, on Monday. We're going to handle this. But right, right now, yes, officer, here are my identification credentials. And, you know, so feel free to search my car with all my children in it. This right. Is awesome. And, and we're I'm, going I'm, on vacation. I'm not trying to make it like all about like being black is the hardest thing ever. And you have to feel sorry for me. Because yeah, yeah. it's not it's not really like that. But I do think it's important to understand, like, there is a certain level of responsibility and and, and a high level of understanding and intelligence that you have to have if you're going to have a life that's kind of free of certain friction and even still you can right. run into that friction of being misidentified or you're driving a, I, I had a guy who was um driving a car not really speeding or anything and the police they wanted to harass him up and down and it's not strange it's not strange and i'm not some cop hater i've had cops on this show before it it we, we have a fine relationship but I do know that there are some problems, especially if you're in the gun community, you gotta know this. There are some problems with the state and state-run institutions that they have a lot yeah. of power to do whatever the heck they wanna do to you. And yeah. where does that stop? Who's gonna enforce those red flag laws? They are enforced by the same people that you wave to when you leave the donut shop, stereotypically. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing. And I'm never one of those people who is just like, every time I'm afraid to go out the door, I'm afraid oh, or anything geez. like that. Like, I think, you have, but you have to healthy. just, no, it's not. And you know, you never like you carry your firearm. You never actually want to use it. Like that's the day, like every day you walk out, you, that's not, you're not like, Hey, today's the day where I hope someone tries to rob me. Like oh, no, that, that's the, like, that's, that's literally the illness, last bro. thing you ever want. Huh? That's mental <laughs> right? illness. Yeah. That, that's not what you want at all. But at the same time, when you are living this particular lifestyle and you are African-American, there are certain factors that you have to think of that click before anything else. Like I've seen, you know, videos of um, Caucasian law students who've been pulled over and they were just like talking about all the rights that they had and saying that people didn't have, you know, the right to ask me this or all you can ask me for is this or that and all these things. Uh, yeah, I personally wouldn't do that. I go to, you know, I was also in law school. This is the same jurisdiction. Kind of not my thing. Hey, here, officer, here's my license and ID, and I'm going to try to keep my hands on the steering wheel and chill. Oh, every time. I'm slapping my IDs, all <laughs> everything, my keys, everything's on the dash. My hands are up here. Yeah. You can't say, yeah. what, you think I got a third arm? <laughs> yeah. I probably got and a gun then, in like, the car, I, but my hands is up here. Yeah. I'm not this person. Hey, here's my law license. Like, 
no, we're just going to do the thing that, yeah, like, we're just going to do what we have to do and move on. So there is a point of, I think, getting other communities to understand that as well. And not even just from the Black perspective, but just overall. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes other communities have a tendency to get surprised when they don't get the right reaction that they think they should have, you know? Shout out to the January 6th crowd. They're (laughs) like, hey, like, you're stopping me? Like, what do you mean? Like, it's it's a level of respect that everyone needs to give. It's just in the forefront of Mm -hmm. Black people's face, uh, Black people's minds. Yeah, and And here's... Here's something that's really, really interesting. I'm sorry to cut you off. Super interesting. There are plenty of instances of white citizens being completely brutalized, straight up cold-blooded murdered by law enforcement and people acting in those capacities. So let's not to say that the issues that we are talking about don't matter because they absolutely do and they're absolutely real. So let's, let's clear that up. But we can absolutely uh, uh, ascertain the fact that, geez, I didn't use that word correctly, but like, geez, like yeah. this happens to other people too. It's not. Yeah. And so the fact, let, let's not pretend like the police never do anything bad. They absolutely do. Right. They absolutely yeah. documented. We've had entire police forces basically dismissed and written up because they they had a yeah. whole scheme like one in Baltimore look look this up Maryland and Baltimore which wherever it was they would yeah. see a, a group of kids playing outside and they would speed up as fast as they could basically almost driving into the crowd slam on brakes watch them scatter get out the car and run and chase them down and be like why are you running like this actually happened wow i actually haven't heard about that look it up yeah, fact check yeah. me. Somebody I fact check me. Yeah, yeah. I will look that up. I have actually not heard yeah. that. There have been instances I mean, of cops going in and stealing money out of a person's safe, like ten thousand yeah. dollars or more, just stolen. Yeah. Like this stuff happens. I remember. Yeah, I remember my first instance with a cop was when I was in middle school and I was at engineering camp for the summer at a university. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the day, uh, we were all like walking to different departments to do different activities and things like that. And earlier in the day, we were running late. So one of the counselors said, hey, guys, run. And so we ran to the class because we were running late, got there, you know, whatever. Later on in the day, we saw everyone in front of us start running. So we assumed that the same thing had happened. Well, as it turns out, some kid, the kids were throwing candy back and forth because they were giving us candy all day. And one of the candies hit a cop car. Oh, what? And he assumed that every, like someone threw a rock at his car. <clears throat> and it was a whole thing. He made us all stop. We had to go sit in the dorm. They wouldn't let it call our parents and things like that. And it's just like, what is happening here? Like, Someone threw a rock at your car, and it's like, no, it was the Skittles. And he was like, well, why did you guys all run? If you weren't doing it, why did you? And they were like, and there's literally like 120 kids. Do I need a reason? And we're all black. <laughs> yeah. Like, Golly. so it was just like, that was my first encounter that was just like, huh, I'm different. Because even though I grew up in Detroit, my experience was a little bit different. Mm. Like, I grew up in a pretty affluent neighborhood. Um, I went to public schools, but I went to the most prestigious of them. I went to Cass Tech. Anyone from Detroit knows who Cass Tech is. You know, it You know, it was a little bit different. But at this point, I was in middle school. But, yeah, it was just realizing that I can't outpace my identity, no matter how much I excel. 
And as much as that was a traumatizing experience, it was also a beautiful experience. Like, hey, like, let's embrace this and excel in it and, you know, expound on the beauty of it. Because no matter how many good grades I get, you know, how hard I work, I can't be that. And that's okay. There's other things that I can be that are amazing. And that is why it's so important to see black faces doing amazing things. That's right. That's right. In every space, whether they're white spaces or black spaces or international, like wherever they are, you need to see people who look like you doing great because you're, you're, everybody's not the same no matter what. Absolutely. Whether you have a disability or skin color or whatever, like everyone is different. We're all different. And I think that uniqueness kind of in a sense is, is empowering and can make us powerful if we if we know how to channel yeah. these things correctly and I, I do think it's super interesting because so often and I'm going to speak directly to the black community so often we use things like politics or skin complexion like colorism and whatnot for those who care yeah. and you know different little barometers of blackness like oh well you want you lived Raina you're not really black like you're you're faking this black experience because look at you you're all sorts of light skin uh you your 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 hair is not the 4c super super crinky hair so like why are you even complaining you straighten your hair for years yeah. anyways and they could say all sorts of like yeah. really degrading things to you and i and experienced truth. all of that i know you did yeah. i know you did because i have yeah. too and it makes you wonder, like, yeah. man, am I am I just am I am I not black enough for my black people? And this is coming yeah, from a very painful place. Me even saying this to you. Yeah, it is a very painful place. Like even like girls that weren't the same complexion as me or were, like we were in high school, and they're like, I want to marry a light skinned guy or a white guy because I want my yeah, kid to have a particular yes. complexion or a particular type of hair. We're going. And there. it's like my parents are both chocolate. This is how I came out. My mom's sister and her husband, both my color. Kids are all chocolate. Everyone's beautiful. We all have a good time. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, why are you trying to do some sort of weird genetic engineering? Like, maybe think about the person you're going to marry and what kind of, what are they bringing to the table? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? Do you have to share values? Like, why do you care what color he is? Like, Absolutely. you get what you sound like? <laughs> no, and I, I actually had a, a previous guest on the show that made a comment that some people agreed and some people very much disagreed talking about how yeah. if you're going to basically be for the black community, you need to be selective about who you marry and that selection should include skin color. And many, many people disagreed strongly and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with disagreeing. I let him say what he had to yeah. say. I disagree yeah. personally. That said... You're right. You shouldn't. Color has nothing to do with your ability to love a person well, with your ability to care about yourself and respect yourself, with your ability to yeah. think about your children and your grandchildren to pass upon a pass down a legacy of excellence so that you can represent everyone well. Like it has nothing to do with that. And maybe somehow it can it can come up in conversation, but that's that's kind of the least relevant thing if we're being honest. Yeah. When it comes up we can acknowledge it. We can kind of talk about it a little bit, but that's such a personal thing. Like don't yeah. degrade people for these things. And I'm, I'm even talking about specifically, Oh, you see a lot of um, black conservatives who date and marry white women. And like, that shouldn't be the barometer on what you judge people. Do they mm -hmm. love themselves? Do they love the community they claim to represent? Yes. No. Well then we can judge them there, but yeah. there are other things. 
Sorry, kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but that's something I've been thinking about lately. My wife is black yeah. for all those who care. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Just got to throw yeah, it out I there. Think, yeah. Very chocolate. I thought that the colorism, um, you know, I actually experienced it a little bit differently. Uh, I think like Detroit has a little bit like more of a spectrum of colorism down here. Mm. Like I never been called light skin or yellow bone till I moved to Texas. Oh, like I knew it was a thing. Yeah. Uh, people would say it in jest, but I will literally walk into a store and I'll be like, hey, light skin. And I'm like, oh my. Who? Like, yeah, that was new to me moving here. Um, but something that like, I think it's interesting is that like the, I have walked past the black Israelites and got a little bit of hate Oh geez. with my husband. They're like, hey, brother, blah, blah, what are you doing with her? Oh, I'm my like, God. No. Oh, like, do you know me? Like, jeez, from Mississippi and Alabama. <laughs> like, Yo. I can't help that I came out a little high yellow, but <sighs> yeah, that was that's never fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm I'm dying. And then this it's like you see crazy. my parents, and it's like, oh, okay, you really are black. And I'm like, yeah, I tried to tell you. I mean, like, genetics is genetic. Man, it's it sucks because I'm gonna have some people who maybe don't fully understand because they want to be supportive and listen and get some information. But for those who yeah. get it, they get it. And I really hope that yeah. you guys can maybe take some of this to heart. And if you are some of the people talking like this, like just know that it affects people deeply. Use your powers for good, yeah. please. Like, imagine imagine a little girl, seven years old, hearing this, not maybe to her, but hearing this to somebody like her. Imagine the damage. Use your words yeah. carefully. Your words are powerful. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah, all like, I have to say about that. I can handle it. I've been there. It's all good. But it's not fair to the little girls who feel like, hey, you know, I should look a certain kind of way, or, you know, like mm. Toni Morrison's the bluest eye. Like, I need blue eyes to be, like, okay. Like, that is not how anybody should see themselves. Like, mm -hmm. you are beautiful in your own way, and you have talent and prowess, and let's talk about that. I love it. Man, I love it. Last topic, and then we'll get out of here. Now, I know we okay. talked a lot about you and being a representative in firearms and teaching and training and all these stuff, all awesome. But let's talk specifically to women um, talking about firearms training, taking it to a different level. Obviously, so many people have been to indoor ranges and so many people have shot their little Sky 380 gun. Um, I'm, I'm having an aneurysm just thinking about it. And But let's, let's take their training to the next level. What are some practical steps that we can give people to, to go to the next level? And like, what do you have to say about these things? Okay. Yeah. I struggle with this in terms of branding of myself because I'm like really out there and I have a wall of guns and I'm trying to let people know that this is my life because I'm trying to help you guys and I'm trying to do a thing. Uh, just take your time, but make an investment in your safety. So when you want to go out and get the type of like, Hey, I can afford this today. It's not going to help you in a situation. Now you've just pulled a gun on people. And this is what I tell people. Like, now you've escalated this encounter to a gunfight. And if I'm doing that, I'm planning on winning the gunfight. Mm. If I pull a gun out, this is not like maybe, maybe the guy was just going to snatch my purse. But now I've pulled a gun out and this is a gunfight. If I do that, I'm going to win the gunfight. So obviously, I'm not saying, hey, go buy a $1,000 pistol and put an optic on it and then like, 
go train with the Marines. No, but I'm here to help you bridge those gaps. And people like me are here to help you bridge those gaps. So buy a reliable firearm. If it takes you, you know, you were planning on getting it this week. If it's going to take you three weeks, go ahead, pay the couple hundred more dollars, get a good gun. Then go with a reputable instructor. And I get this a lot where people are like, you need to help your community and not charge them. I'm sorry, everything costs money. And for me to provide you with a quality service, I'm not your girlfriend that's like, hey, I got a gun, I'll show you how to use it. Like, no, I have trained and I have skills and I have abilities that I can share with you. And that's another reason why I have the a la carte classes where you can just like, hey, I'm gonna pay $50, just come to the range with me and show me how my gun works. Let's do that, let's get comfortable, then let's practice drawing from a holster and let's do a thing and let's talk about safety and do it like, take your time, but take every step very carefully, thoughtfully and do the right thing that's best for you. So you don't have to run and gun and do all the things that I do. And I'm really struggling on how to find the balance in terms of what I like show people. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I want you to know like, hey, I'm still a girl. Like we can go hang out at the range. Like we don't have to run and like shoot from barrels and like climb on stuff. Like that's not what we got to do today. Like today, let's just learn. But then like after you do that, hey, let's go outside. If you got some time away from the kids and you have whatever, Let's go outside, let's move around a little bit, and then let's talk about, all right, let's get some more gear, some more equipment. Because at the end of the day, if anything the last few years have told us is that you can't predict everything. Anything can happen. Social services can be down, food can be insecure, any of those things. And at the end of the day, such people may not wanna admit it, like women are the backbone of a lot of families and you are responsible for the lives of your household. So if a war happens and they send your husband away, which you're like, oh, he's over a certain age, anything can happen. You need to be able to hold it down for you and yours and protect not only you and your children, but your husband as well, or whatever partner you have or whatever. So take your time, do it properly. You don't have to do, you know, you don't have to get like, I need a a Safari Land tactical setup that's going to cost me $600. Is that what I'm talking about? I'm talking about being able to use your firearm for whatever your life is, if you're pumping gas or you're at the grocery store, or you're picking your kids up, or whatever, or someone gets in your house at night, it is your responsibility, unfortunately, I wish we didn't live in this sort of society, to handle that threat and protect you and yours, because no one else cares about them as much as you do. I'm sorry, no one else does. The politicians can say, oh, I love working class Americans, and I'll make sure every little girl can sleep well in her bed at night. People get hurt all the time. And, you know, there's a hierarchy of people and priorities. Who's at the top of yours? Your family. So just, like, keep that in mind and do everything you can to make that reality. Like, they are safe. Absolutely. Wow. Also, guys, don't scare women into getting guns. It doesn't work. (laughs) Many many a husband does that. Many husbands do. Hey, babe, look at this video. We got to get more. We got to get you a gun. Look at this woman getting robbed at this and this and that. Yeah. Do you want to get raped? Like that's awesome. That's 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 the motivation right there. That's happy yeah, images. Like, My gosh, way to traumatize yeah. somebody into not wanting yeah. a gun. Like, hey, just you know, guys have fun shooting guns. You know, some women don't have as much fun the first time, but mm-hmm. like, it's fun. So let's just go to range and have a little fun, and then at the end of the day, be a little safer. So, last question. Recently, you, um, homegirl Destiny. Um, or Des, yeah. Nina De La Flores, for those who know her as that. She 
I love her to death. She's great. She's really doing her thing on Instagram, really kind of growing her platform. And she came to you recently. Tell me about that. I mean, it was, it was absolutely amazing because I followed her for a while and I honestly didn't know that she existed. I'm not the best at social media. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like doing cute tiktok stuff. I don't, I try, but like posting is not my deal. I'm going to get better at it because reach is important and representation is important. Um, but she is killing that. So like when she... Um, recommended me and some other like uh black 2a women in the community um to someone who was like hey i wish i could train with someone like you in my area and then i was like hey i'm here you know after she tagged me and she was just like i actually want to train with you too and i'm like what well let's go (laughs) and like she's super awesome like she asked the right questions and you know like it was really really it was a really fun experience to have someone else that you know, it's taking this game seriously because there's so many people here who do the I'm a trainer or a coach or whatever can't shoot. She can shoot. <laughs> no, she's she's good. So. She's nice with it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you guys had had some time together just because I love to see us collaborating collaboration over competition. Slap it on a t-shirt. But yeah, like what as you you as an instructor, what do you feel like you maybe could offer maybe. I don't want to disclose like all the things that you had to teach her, but like, what are some things that you can teach other instructors that perhaps um, maybe they might not just have by themselves? Like what's the point of training under other instructors? I think I just take a little bit of a different perspective to it because I've done, I did the like shooting on the line thing. And then it was like, all right, let's go outside and train with some Marines and not just like someone who was a Marine, like, a reputable Marine who knows how to use a gun. Um, that is what I decided to do. And then it was just like, when I opened my eyes, I was like, this isn't what we're all doing. And there's no reason where, why women should feel like they can't do what the guys do. Um, there's no reason why we should spend all these hours and ammunition is trying to get that perfect little grouping at five yards. It's not going to help you. So let's move around. Let's get stressful. Let's get stressed out. Let's try different situations. Let's understand cover and things like that. So when I start off a class or someone meets me, I'm like, Hey, what are you, what are your goals? And some people are just like, I want to be more safe. I want to be more secure in my house. Or I don't want to be afraid to go get gas at night. I'm going to tell you, avoid that as much as possible. Getting gas at night. At the same time, like, all right, like let's work on that. You know? Um, And then, when you're ready, let's escalate this thing because honestly, the threats are not limited to the creepy guy at the gas station right now, nor that they have ever necessarily been. So I think as a community, we need to step it up and there's no reason why women can't be just as good as soldiers as anyone else. So I'm going to teach you how to shoot online. I'm going to teach you how to draw. I'm going to teach you all these things. But then like once we get real comfortable, let's go outside and get dirty. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Raina, thank you so much. Was there anything else we need to cover? Because I definitely want to sh- tell people where they can find you. Okay. Um, well, we have the, uh, you can find me at Coach Reigns Esquire on Instagram. And then also uh, D4 underscore tactical on Instagram. That's my company page. 
Um, and then G4 Tactical on YouTube uh, will be coming with uh, lots of content, reviews, and just us having a little fun at the range. And, you know, I am a workaholic, as uh, you mentioned, like I'm pretty intense. <laughs> so message me anytime. Uh, I do have like a, like, so plans. like I do have a rule that like, I kind of shut it off at like eight o'clock so that like, me and my husband can spend time together, but I'm up at five. I check my messages. So just reach out, ask me a question. I can send you a video and, you know, support black business. Let's do it. Let's do it. And not, not just any business that happens to be black people who are putting out quality work, who are representing the brand overall. And that's, yeah. that's what I like to see. Cause I know sometimes we say, Oh, support. Black business. That's great. And all support people who are doing it, doing it. Yeah. Well, let's get that. Yeah. Work. It's kind of frustrating. Cause I get a lot of messages that are like, Hey, what equipment should I buy? Or what brand should I go to? And I'm like, literally I have made everybody money today, but me. Mm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, now you have a real cool setup. Like, you want to go to the range and let's shoot? Oh no, something hurts or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you just told me you bought something else from someone else. So that's hard. I, I check get out that. some, yeah, check out some black on brands as well. And I'm trying to do a better job of reaching out. So if any of you guys have them, like let me know because I would like to refer you guys to them because apparently I can make a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I've got some friends and we should definitely. Uh, make sure that we're we're supporting the brands that we believe in, supporting brands that have, yeah. support brands that, you know, share your values. Um, I know for, for me, myself and I just plug the Patreon. I normally do it earlier, but I will do it now. Uh, definitely, if you like these programs, if you like these conversations, please, please, please consider joining the Patreon for a monthly gift. We're doing a couple of cool things, including uh, basically exclusive private meet and greets, Q&A type yeah. sessions where people like Raina, I didn't ask you, but people like Raina will come yeah, in and we'll just, well, <laughs> normally I do it offline. Normally I'm just like, hey, now that we've done the conversation, do you want to? So I guess oh, here I'm it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, you There's jumped in, but I brought, I brought it up. I shouldn't have brought it up. So it sounds like Raina wants to, uh, have a, a private VIP uh, Q&A where we can all sit down and kind of just talk and, you know, find out more about her. If you have any questions, you could ask her personally, hop on a Zoom call, we could do it. And really, that's not the reason why you sign up. You sign up because you want to support what we're doing here, but that is a bonus. So thank yeah. you so much in advance if that's what you want to do. But also really more importantly, support the people who come on this show, make it, make it encouraging for them. So check out Raina, give her a follow. That is free. The follow is free. So the, the yeah. subscription, super free. It's like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Barely burned a calorie. So let's and do I that. I promise you, I'll make you laugh at least once or piss you off either way. <laughs> either way. And, yeah, and people yeah, like, yeah. To, people like to be a little pissed off. About. People like that. Yeah. People, man, yeah. I talked about, um, <laughs> I said this one time in a tweet. I said that um, if you want to be concerned about criminal justice system, make sure you're not dodging your jury duty. I saw that. People got mad. Mm -hmm. People got big mad. Yeah. Not everybody. A lot yeah. of people shared it. A lot of people liked it. But I saw a lot of people saw it and they just kept it moving. I'm like, mm. Yeah. They got mad. Yeah. Don't say the quiet part. All right. <laughs> yeah. Don't say They're the like, quiet part aloud. Like, yeah. But like, I have gotten a lot of like messages recently who have said like, thank you. You've motivated me. And my reach isn't even that great right now. Yeah. So like even seeing that it's motivated. Cause like I said, I'm not the greatest at the greatest at posting or doing the social media thing. I promise I'm gonna get better. But to know that like, 
me telling someone to meal prep today or go for a walk or clean your firearm actually got you some incentive to do those things and maybe made you more safe or healthier today. Um, it's really motivating for me as well. So excellent. Yeah, that's so good. Guys, it's, it's bigger than like, guns. It took me nothing to tell you, but I'm glad it helped. Right. Like, I, I, I burned burn three myself. calories with my thumbs right here. <laughs> right? It's like, hey, guys, go for a walk. I'm like, shit, I need to go for a walk, too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you know, I love this show right now because I'm trying to make it bigger than guns. It's more than about yeah. guns. It's about you. It's about your family. Yeah. It's about changing your community. Yeah. It's about changing the world. And if yeah. we can change you and your family, we can we can change a lot. So I love that G4 That's is doing like that too. That's what it's literally all about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guns are cool, but the guns are here for a purpose. They're a purpose-driven yeah. tool. And I think yeah. sometimes we forget that being like gun guys and whatnot. I, I don't know that I'm really a gun guy, but I'm in it. So yeah. that said... Guys, thank you so much. Raina, thank you so much for coming on. We got to get Isaac on here next. That that glorious oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I have to bring him cocktails and that one. Oh, yeah. It'll be great. You just got you got to bring the meal preps. He's just going to eat. I'll up. bring him food and he can, like, eat while he's right. on here. Just. <laughs> yeah, he's the cocktail guy. So cheers to Coach Griff. Shoots. He's my bartender. Uh, he made me a classic old-fashioned. There you go. There you go. Cheers. <laughs> thank you, coach. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and keep it costly.